it's a quite, you know, high threshold to get in. It could take up to four, six years. But the loyalty, if you deliver a service that is of high quality and the customers are happy, we write contracts that could be six plus six years, so 12 years. Welcome to the podcast B2B SaaS CEOs with me, Joseph Olsen, as your host. I'm the CEO and founder of VAM that helps sales teams close more deals and book more meetings through video messaging. The idea to this podcast was born because one of my personal goals is to be a world-class B2B SaaS CEO and therefore I need to learn from the best. And I want to take you with me on this journey. Hi, my name is Erik Bajset and I am the CEO of Matilda Food Tech and you're listening to B2B SaaS CEOs. Hi and welcome, Eric. Hi, Josef. How are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you? I'm so fine. So nice to be on this podcast together with you. It's great to have you here. And first thing first, what does Matilda Food Tech do? Yeah, Matilda Food Tech, we provide software, software solutions for meal planning organizations. So organizations like... Uh, municipalities in schools, also facility management companies like Sodexo, Compass Group, to plan their meals so their clients, the people that eat, children, elderly people, have a perfect uh, nutrition plan meal uh, that doesn't affect the planet so much or as little as possible, so keep the climate impact as low, and at the same time to make it smooth and also cost-efficient. That is what we do. Good summary. And if we pause at Matilda Food Tech for a little while, we're going to talk a lot about the business, the company, etc. But shift the spotlight towards you, Eric. Who is Eric? I'm a father of three football playing kids, uh, twins at nine, and the elderly, or the elderly, the oldest boy, Avin, is 12. And I have a wife that's an ed tech entrepreneur. Uh, I love my work at Matilda, or my my, my mission, so to speak, uh, to grow this business. I'm uh, I'm quite I'm, I'm quite happy. I like people. I uh, I like to play my in my band, Hardworking Puppets. Um, I'm eager to to move forward. Also interested by details. So um, yeah, that's a very short summary. And you said a band, and I like, okay, what type of band and what do you play? It's a, it's a, it's a cover band. We play rock and roll. Everything's from Beatles to Kings of Leon and ACDC, Led Zeppelin. And I am the singer and uh, the rhythm guitarist. Of the oh, band. Ah. So, so I, I, I like to, you know, be on stage and, 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 and make love with the audience. So that's, yeah, so to speak. It's now time for a segment I call five quick ones. I will say a word and here Eric, you need to be quick. You, 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 maximum one sentence, the first things that pops up when I say that word. Are you ready? Yeah, you bet. Sustainability. The planet and the health of the people living on it. Knowledge. I want more. Food safety. Our fantastic solution, Matilda Food Safety. Sauce. Growth. 
And the last one, summer. Family, hiking and sailing. Ah, hiking and sailing. Oh, come mm. on. I've heard both of those, but separately before. Now it's time to talk business. Yeah. Business development. First thing here, AI. What are the top one to three areas you work with or at least are really seriously thinking about AI within your business? Yeah, very good question. Uh, improved customer success, faster and better. That is the first one. Uh, I will I will deep dive, uh, dive in, in the, all of them. And uh, then internationalization, second one. And the third one is actually data collection and enrichment. So if you start with uh, improved customer success, uh, we, we are already trying and working quite a lot just to improve the answers in the support, <laughs> but also to find information. And we're looking at to provide AI engines in our engaged customer portal. Uh, so to help our clients to find information and get help faster. Uh, so that's, uh, that's number one. Number two, internationalization is we have quite many different parts of our platform that we want to bring out of uh, the Nordics. Uh, and, and AI is both improving, uh, translating the services, both the service itself, but also content that comes with it. And um, also uh, when we do development to, to make test cases, etc., cetera, and, and development is obviously needed to, to take our solution further down into Europe. And the third part, data collection in part of our platform we collect quite a lot of data we categorize it we enrich the data and it's consumed in our software um, and in that in that part we believe and we have not started but, but we believe that ai can help us a lot at first when i heard them um, i was the, the number two i was like hmm, internationalization and wonder why and, and then it made all sense also from from the perspective and the angle you went and now I want to move on then to another key topic within business development. Go to market strategy. You have been in business for a while. Mm-hmm. Can you share some of your best practices around the go to market strategy? There are no silver bullet solutions. <laughs> That's the first, you know, takeaway I would say. Uh, and of course, I think I have made mistakes there, but to understand your customer and, and who is your customer, who are the personas on the segments, when you have that, uh, you need, I mean, thought leadership, communications in, in different channels, but also in real life and fairs, etc. And And then should not neglect to sell on your, not feature selling, I'm not sell, telling that, but to to reveal and show what your products actually do. Of course, talk about the business case and ROI and things like that. But I think some companies, they they don't really, you know, show what they have. <laughs> a fancy web page with a lot of uh, ROI calculations, etc. But also uh, enabled to, to actually show the software. Uh, also, Always to, not to show the value proposition and the RI, but but not to forget that one. Uh, 
And what would you say is a really successful thing regarding, because from my perspective, you are not a bit like B2G, business to government, but not mm, like, mm. I, I hope the people get mm, the point. Mm, and mm, what, what would you say is like a really insightful thing to think of when you're uh, building a go-to-market within that field that you are in? Yeah, exactly. And you need to understand how the public tender works and the structure of your potential customer. Who is the the power sponsor? Uh, What is the process? Uh, You know, the people that are working with the public procurement, they are not the power sponsor, but you have to have contact with them as well. And then you have the users out in the line organizations. So you have to identify all those you know, stakeholders in in the process and have a plan and content for all of them, I would say. Would you say that person listening to this needs to be prepared for a long sales cycle and approximately how long? (laughs) A very good question. No, but but, I mean, it's it's a quite, you know, high threshold to get in if if you didn't make business with government or public sector. But it could take up to you know, four, six years. Wow. Uh, but, you know, the loyalty, if you if you deliver a service that is of high quality and the customers are happy, it's quite, oh, they want to stay for, for many years. We write contracts that could be six plus six years, so 12 years. It's a long cycle, uh, but you also are rewarded with long contracts uh, if you play the cards right and, and then deliver good service. And if you look back, because I always believe that if you're smart, you you learn from your mistakes. What common mistakes do you see that you did earlier with the go-to-market strategy from a B2G perspective? Being too late and focusing on too few personas. Uh, so, So you have to understand... What is the sea level? Uh, the politicians. What kind of content and pain do? Uh, what kind of pain do they have? And what kind of content you need to provide them with? And then you have uh, the le- level below uh, the, the people working at the municipalities and, and handling this. What is the pain there? Uh, and then go down to all personas, create content that fits all of them and meet their needs. And then try to get in and communicate with all those different personas. And that is also differing. How to communicate with those guys differs from country to country. For example, in Norway, we, we have a magazine. Uh, so so we, we, we post a magazine with QR codes. They're not you know, on LinkedIn in such, to such an extent, etc. And, and, and of course, identify what channels... Are they in those different personas? What fares are the C-level persons at, and uh, what fares are the you know mid-level uh, and the users? Where what arenas are they in? Um, so so it's you have to do your homework and to to understand the spectrum of personas, and then to try to understand how to reach them and what kind of content and channel that should be used for each each persona good i want to talk about outreach because in almost every sort of b2g b2b at least you need to have sales people that do outreach in any sort of way and now i'm curious not how you are doing here 
what you prefer to be approached. What is the preferred way you like to be approached when somebody is doing outreach to you? I mean, to call me without sending an interesting mail. And if you, yeah, that that's that's not going to work. And if you're going to send a mail, <laughs> you have to understand something of me and my pain and to be personal. You cannot just, you know, of course, misspell the company or anything like that. And also have uh, some kind of reference. I got your name from someone that I know and trust. Then I would listen. So be personal in a mail and have a reference. And also it doesn't have to be a mail, of course. Uh, it could be LinkedIn. Uh, but but have a reference to someone in my network. Then, of course, it's much more interesting to listen. And, and the people on the other side get trust directly. And then, um, of course... What can you offer? What pain do you meet to, to, to be very open with that and early on? I like the answer. Start with emails, make sure that it's personalized and also refer to someone in your network that you respect or looked up to and be crystal clear with the pain that they solve. And then you can call if you didn't reply to the email. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's time for an external question now, Eric. Mm-hmm. I want to lift in other people in the SaaS community. And the first thing here is from Michael Starr at Adaptic. And this is his question. Hi, Eric. This is Michael. Uh, my question to you is how do business leaders ensure that uh, AI-driven decisions are explainable and uh, understandable to the stakeholders? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think... Um... AI-driven decisions, you have to be transparent first that this is an AI-driven decision. Uh, And then you have, as a leader, you have to define and describe why you were using AI and how the difference is in the quality or in your answer, in your output, if you would have not used AI. And, you know, giving that context, uh, then... It make it for, for, for the people that you lead, it makes sense and uh, they will adapt it. But if you're not transparent and, and you just, you know, pick, uh, pick, pick something from chat, GPT, I think uh, you, you, you will be, people will understand that this is not from you. Michael, thank you for the question and Eric for the answer. We move on to a bit lighter topic, a fun fact. What is a fun fact about yourself that most people don't know about yet? Uh, most people in, in the business life, they don't know that I play in a band, but uh, so, so that might be the thing. Uh, then another fun, I, I, you know, a dream to become an actor. I would love to stand on a stage more. <laughs> That's maybe fun. Then we have two fun facts that are, okay, yeah. Thank you for sharing and uh, switching back to a bit serious topic then. Very serious topic, mistakes, big mistakes, the worst mistakes. What's the worst mistake you have ever made in business, Eric, that you can share and help me avoid so I don't do the same thing, hopefully? And maybe, I mean, the biggest mistakes is when you see something that you know does not work and you don't do anything about it. It's, I said to myself, 
when I took this job, uh, okay, if you see something and that doesn't work and you know it, your stomach says that this is not good, act. And I, I, I live with that, you know, rule. But uh, in, in, in previous, previous works and, and, and positions, sometimes, yeah, when, when, you, when you see that you have a problem and you don't act on it, and in, in hindsight, you see that, okay, I should have done this much earlier. That is a mistake. It's, it's not very concrete, but I, I, I know that you understand and, and, and see the situation that... So yes, to clarify, make it even. It was an important situation. You knew exactly what to do. You thought about it, but you didn't act. And now, do you you regret yeah, it? Yeah, yeah, maybe not exactly how to solve it, but you know, okay, it works quite well. Uh, let's let's focus on other things. So yeah, things like that is brutal. Yeah, and I guess that it's maybe a confidential topic because you didn't want to go into exactly details. And if it is, I respect that. Yeah, it's it's about people that might listen. So, yeah. Very important lesson. And yeah, we have arrived to a topic of your choice. And here I will now zip it and let you steer the narrative completely with a but. And the only but is that you need to talk about something for a few minutes that you are nerdy and feel passion for. So the floor is yours. No, thank you, thank you. Now, but it's it's ah, it might sound a little bit boring to you, but I think you know, sales, sales forecasting, and why is that so? Why am I a nerd? I, I really want to know what will happen in the future. <laughs> I want to know. I, I want to have a lot of information so that I can, you know, make the right decisions, and it's also quite. I think it's really, I've been working with sales for many, many years and how, how to weight your pipeline, how to forecast it and the difference between forecasting and weighting the pipeline and, and you know, finding models and also not only finding models, but even more important, of course, to make your sales organization be good at it, to, to, to really have a drive to make good forecasts. Uh, and to handle that tool, it's 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 quite few salespeople that are good at forecasting, I would say. Uh, but those who are, they are so amazing. I mean, you can just trust and you can discuss and you, you understand how can we increase by doing this and that because you understand both your pipeline and the forecast and yeah. That's a little nerdy subject, I would say, but it's, I, I, you know, I can continue to dig into pipelines and forecasts. What would you say is the first action they should take in this direction to be even better towards this? I'm going to start to measure and be clear on, okay, on a monthly or even weekly, of course, depending on what kind of business you have, if it's enterprise transactional, uh, that your sales reps uh, do forecasts if you say try uh, start measuring if you could take that one deeper, what is uh, top three things uh, or three three things that they should really measuring okay on on friday <laughs> how many deals will you close the next month what is the value and uh, the coming four months and please also describe how you measure a pipeline and what is the difference between the weighting of the pipeline and the forecast 
So, okay, this is my, the weighted pipeline that I have, and this is the forecast, and they differ because, so both give those two, you know, numbers in, in money, uh, in currency for both weighted and the forecast uh, for different horizons, one month, uh, four months, a year. And then, yeah, that, that is the start. And to get the sales guys to understand the difference between the forecast and the, the pipeline. Good. Thank you for sharing about your topic that I will name sales and sales forecasting. Nerding. We are moving into leadership. If we talk about superpowers, if you're going to be very transparent, what would you say are your top one to three superpowers as a leader? I think I get trust to be to be to be near my my closest team to be clear with what we should accomplish and also the ability to in some cases just say okay this is the goal set the plan and back off and in other cases be very close about the plan the activities so when I, I quitted a, a job a couple of years ago, uh, I got a you know some kind of picture with wordings or sayings on the backside, and and it was very different uh, thoughts about me on that uh, on that on that card, like okay, open leadership, uh, delegated responsibility, and some other said you know very into details and always on me, so. You have to, of course, adapt your leadership to who you're leading and, and everybody is different. So if you have, I mean, senior leaders in your management group and junior, but everyone is different, different and you should, I think I have the ability to, to, to pick different tools for different persons and, and have those, you know, leave, just go, go ahead. And on the other hand, be pretty close and, and, and when that is needed. You know what it's time for? A second external question. Okay. And the last one in this episode. Uh, and th- this is from uh, Gustav Boström at Zeta Profil. And this is his question. Hi, Eric. When it comes to implementing new ways of working internally, most of the time there's a certain culture in the company. You do things in, in some ways you've always done before. Uh, and I feel like that could be pretty hard to change. Uh, what would be your way to get everyone on board? First, define your, your values uh, and also talk about behaviors that adapt those values or, or align with those values. So, so that, is, that is the first thing. And then on an everyday leadership, uh, correct behaviors that are not accordingly in a positive way. Also, you cannot go without a clear strategy and what goals you have and and what roles you have. So it's values and behaviors are, of course, extremely important, but you need to have competence and clear goals and roles as well. And it differs, of course, about the seniority of the people within the organization how how detailed you have to be but in sometimes a vision a, a vision is not enough uh, never enough but you know clear goals and no detail steering and work with behaviors that will change the company 
or the, the group of people. And in other cases, uh, you need a more concrete, you know, playbook. And in many, many cases, you, you need to, you need to replace the, the leaders. Gustav, thank you for a very important and interesting question and Eric for the answer. And, uh, You were tapping into it here at the end. You mentioned sometimes replacing leaders. And this leads me into mm. what is the worst thing according to about being a leader and how do you yourself stay on top of it and handle it? I mean, the worst thing might be of being with the business uh, like 24-7 in your head and, and you need to have strategies to, to move out from being in it. Super simple, uh, straight answer. Uh, great. And now I want to hear how, then how, how, do you, how do you solve that? Yeah, yeah, of course. I mean, play music, work out together with your kids maybe, uh, you know, but be active and, and do something that you really picks your brain and, and you have can be devoted to that that makes me relax and uh, get away and also get inspiration and then of course i mean there are certain situations etc but but i think all know everyone knows about that i mean when you have to replace a person or you know hurt person yeah tough tough decisions and, and actions around people that's hard if you're gonna summarize now leadership from your point of view with only one word what would that be action then leadership is all about action then i take action and we move into the roundup we mm-hmm. only have just a few questions left now and uh, first thing here now you're talking to yourself if you would give yourself when you were a younger leader think three five ten years ago the top one to three things to think of that you now know that you didn't know, what would you tell yourself? Uh, trust yourself, uh, your, 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 your compass uh, and, and, and your, your gut feeling. Trust that. Always prepare and be happy. I would be happy. I've always been happy. So maybe that's not a good idea. But I would trust your gut feeling and, and be prepared recruit people that you like and have a good track record good and we have arrived to the very last question where will matilda food take be in five years above 500 million sec in arr uh, and have the majority of the arr uh, revenue outside outside the nordics so in dach in uk Uh, we will have customers that are extremely happy and uh, we will have very little legacy on-prem solutions in our portfolio. And I wish you the best of luck with that, Eric and Matilda Foodtech. And now I'm quickly shifting to you who's been listening. Two quick ones. Number one. If you like what you heard and got value from Eric, please tell a friend or a colleague to listen to Eric in B2B SaaS sales. And thing number two, press the subscription button. We have great guests coming here every week. And Eric, a huge thank you for putting aside around 30 minutes together with me 
to help the community and me to keep on learning. Thanks, Joseph. It was a pleasure.